0: The result has been a devastating loss of trust and confidence in our economy, our financial markets, and our government. Now, the very fact that this crisis is largely of our own making means that it's not beyond our ability to solve. Our problems are rooted in past mistakes, not our capacity for future greatness. It will take time, perhaps many years, but we can rebuild that lost trust and confidence we can restore opportunity and prosperity. We should never forget that our workers are still more productive than any on Earth. Our universities are still the envy of the world. We are still home to the most brilliant minds, the most creative entrepreneurs, and the most advanced technology and innovation that history has ever known. And we are still the nation that has overcome great fears and improbable odds. If we act, with the urgency and seriousness that this moment requires, I know that we can do it again.
1: Welcome to 10 Minutes on Democracy. That was President-elect Obama speaking in 2009 about his economic stimulus plans at George Mason University. I'm Jason Franklin, senior advisor at One for Democracy, and today is Tuesday, August 30th. And let's start with some reflections on the possible changing momentum as we head into election season, as a new round of economic shifts are perhaps underway. A lot of conversation in the past few weeks, and especially the last few days, around the changing momentum for 2022, and a lot of it tied to the economy. Just as Obama spoke about his economic stimulus plans in 2009, and the impact of the economic downturn that led him into office, people are wondering if a shift today may be a good sign for Democrats heading into 2022. You've seen inflation holding steady and gas prices going down. You've had major successes from the Biden administration on the policy front, passing the CHIPS Act, passing the Inflation Reduction Act. You've had the cancellation of student debt $10,000 for every person making under $125,000, $20,000 if you got a Pell Grant. Debate, obviously, around the impact of canceling student debt on inflation, but overall, Democrats placing a big bet that canceling student debt is both delivering on a key Biden campaign promise and will show their kind of commitment to direct economic stimulus, especially for working class and middle class people. And on top of that, you're seeing that successes start to be reflected perhaps in Biden's poll numbers that are showing small but appreciable increases over the last couple of weeks. You're seeing a steady uptick, still you know, ways to go before he becomes 50% plus, but even a small uptick has a ripple effect on election results in November. Now, on top of that, not only do you see these changes in poll numbers, you're also seeing the results of the primaries. So Trump's influence led to many more extreme Republican candidates winning. And some of those Senate candidates that he endorsed in Pennsylvania and Georgia are struggling to a lesser extent, Wisconsin, Arizona as well, making the odds for the Democrats keeping the Senate now breaking two thirds chance. So over 65 percent chance the Democrats will keep the Senate in November. You're also hearing some news and stories about Republican hard-dollar candidate and party fundraising lagging. Now, that's offset by major PAC funding that is coming in. But overall, definitely feels, as we're ending the month of August, like there might be this momentum shift. And that's going to be kind of a dominant narrative I think we'll see in the coming weeks. But I always say, like, these dominant narratives can evaporate very quickly. Uh, in fact, Bloomberg had an article out today or yesterday about the rising cost of natural gas that's driving up the price of heating and electricity. And actually, one out of every six American households are now behind on their utility payments. On top of that, several states are ending their COVID era moratoriums on shutting off power. And so people that are falling behind on their bills could now see shutoffs. And we haven't seen shutoffs at any significant level for a number of years because of COVID. And so there's a real question of how will this play out? You know, the average price of electricity was up 15% last month over the previous years, the steepest year-over-year price jump since 2006. So just as there was concern about gas prices, now there may be concern about electricity and heating. And who is held to blame for that? And if that starts to impact the economy, it could evaporate some of this shifting momentum. So things to keep an eye out. I'm uplifted to see so many proponents of the big lie starting to fall behind in their polling, but it is way too soon to tell where we will end up in November. Some other things to mention this week as we look at developments in democracy. There are two big ballot campaign measures affecting the right to vote In the united states in michigan the promote the vote campaign has qualified for the ballot it is a constitutional amendment that would guarantee a whole set of pro-voter measures put them into the constitution and would overturn an anti-voting measure that republicans have pushed through and are going to try to get adopted through a loophole that avoids a gubernatorial veto so good news in michigan it will be on the ballot in november a chance to really guarantee the protections of democracy and protecting the right to vote in the state of Michigan. Unfortunately, the other one is now off the table. So the other big ballot measure was in Arizona. The campaign for the free and fair elections measure gathered over 400,000 signatures. They had received favorable rulings from both the Secretary of State and the Superior Court. But ultimately... They were just on Friday kicked off the November election. And it's ended up coming down to a bunch of technicalities. The court allowed individual challenges to individual signatures for any reason and used an invalidity rate that was calculated by the county recorder's random sample, which the actual laws traditionally would not have done. Now, Republican Governor Doug Ducey had actually urged the court to reject the measure. Ducey had appointed five of the seven Supreme Court justices who just on Friday kicked it off. And in fact, the free and fair elections measure itself would have eliminated the strict compliance legal standard that made it relatively easy to throw out signatures for minor paperwork errors. And those minor paperwork errors were some of the margins that ultimately led this measure to not get on the ballot itself. It's been harder and harder to get a ballot measure on the ballot in Arizona because the Republican efforts to tighten and limit the ballot measure process. So we saw that happen here in Arizona. It means we're not gonna have a chance to see if Arizona voters would have passed this key measure. So Michigan is now the one big place where we'll see a ballot measure around the right to vote in November. The last thing worth really diving into, a couple more things, but the last big thing is to talk about what's going on in Georgia. So you may remember, if you've been listening for a while to this podcast, my talk about the attempts by the Georgia legislature to permit state interventions and in county elections as part of the voting law that they passed last year. And this was really all focused on Fulton County, Georgia, covering Atlanta, largest voting block in for the Democratic base, most populous county in Georgia. Well, they had launched a investigation and performance review of the county's board of elections, which could result in the installation of a state-appointed interim superintendent to oversee the county elections. But despite promising that it would be running fast, it ran into delays, and it's now confirmed that They would not complete that performance review until after november elections so this means that the republican-led state election board cannot take over the largest county election process until next year now if they do do that then that new interim superintendent has really broad powers they can close polling places they can decide on challenges to voter eligibility, and of course they are responsible for certifying the results of an election. Once they have completed the performance review, the state election board will hold hearings, decide whether to appoint a superintendent. That person will then run the county elections for at least nine months and subject to renewal after that. And the fear is that it's really putting a political spin on the fair administration of elections in. The most populous county in Georgia in a critical state for the future of American democracy. But at least now, it won't happen for this November, and there'll be more time to see what happens and how it develops after that. But not to leave you on a low note or a, an uncertain note, but rather a little bit of good news to wrap up today's podcast it comes from California, where California is getting close to enacting both protections for election workers and also putting drop boxes on college campuses. So the California Assembly has passed a Senate bill that will provide confidential protections for election workers and for officials who face threats. They're just going to have to go into uh, reconciliation as they're slightly different bills, but they both intend to move forward. And the California Senate passed an assembly bill that would require drop boxes be made available on state college campuses for statewide elections. So both of these are going to go through reconciliation between the slightly different versions, and then they're going to go to the governor. But two more steps in California for protecting and expanding the right to vote and protecting the people who administer our elections. Examples of the types of laws, really, that should be implemented all over the country to strengthen and protect our democracy. So good to see them moving forward. More concerning questions in Arizona, uncertainty in Georgia, as we know, everything is always changing. But thank you for joining to listen into this week's you know, review of developments in American democracy. I'm Jason Franklin. I hope you have a relaxing Labor Day weekend. And I look forward to talking with you again next week on 10 Minutes on Democracy. Take care.